Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening and downloading the podcast. Please keep it up. And I think we got reasons to keep it up because... Wow, do we have some good football this weekend in the Big Ten football conference, and and it, this is gonna pretty much set the tone from here on out. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, it's the week that kind of propels us right through I the propels. Yeah, because it's all fourteen teams playing, seven games, conference on conference in every game, and basically all of them have storylines behind them right there's there's a couple that are maybe taking a back seat but for the most part every game means something absolutely like it could be that in one case what it means is that the team that loses could pretty much be dunsky for the rest of the year or the feeling that it will be so so that's a reason right there i mean i'm not saying that's the reason that you're looking for but that that is a big part like it is just Every team seems to be on the precipice of launching into the you know next uh, part of the the uh, schedule with still everything on the table, having the chair ripped out from underneath you, or basically, do we start looking for what we're doing in 2022? Well, there's even a game or two in particular where the teams probably aren't playing for bowl games this year, but you're still playing for something. You're still playing for wins and pride and recruiting yes. and to show the, you know, the recruits, look, we got things headed in the right direction. Re- recruiting is a great point uh, for certain teams that, yeah, just aren't going to make a bowl, te- bowl game. Still something to to go for to show those recruits you're talking to right now that there's progress <laughs> happening on your first, second, third, whatever year that that coach is in. Uh, so first quick one, shout out to, to our guy Juan. Juan at Cornhusker1. He does the pick spreadsheet for us every week. I feel like I haven't given enough and given him enough props on the podcast. So Juan, thanks for doing that every week. It's a, yeah. it's a beautiful looking spreadsheet. It is, but I, you know, I need to check in with him more often because yeah. sometimes I miss it. I tweet it out pretty much every week. So yeah, it's been do you follow from... me on Twitter, Big Kurt? <laughs> Maybe, let me check. Okay. Let me I'm... check. I don't know. All right. Um, I got a couple things. You know, I don't know if these are necessarily housekeeping items. It's just things I wanted to talk about, but um, two weeks ago, okay, uh, Army and Wisconsin played. I remember. Okay, it was a it was a football Actually, contest. I'm, I'm kind of trying to forget that game. Okay, well, you just kind of played into what I'm talking about here. Uh, so that that game wound up being twenty to fourteen. Now it was twenty to seven late in the contest. Yeah. Uh, Army scored with a couple minutes. Yeah, left. Or less minute, than a minute, minute. Less than a minute. It was left. less than a it minute. Was, okay, end whatever. of the game. Point being, the game was pretty much over. At that point. So in that game, Army had 266 yards of total offense, yep. 179 rushing yards, which is low for them, right? They're a, well, they're low for them, but it's a, lot of, it's a lot of yards for Wisconsin to give up. Sure. Okay. With that being said, last week, Army played another football game. I don't know if you caught that one. Okay. They lost again to Wake Forest. Oh, good team. 70 to 56. Whoa, Did I, you see that? I missed The that over one. under for this game was 55. Army oh. hit that on their own, and Wake Forest tacked on 70 points on top of it. 
Oh, Lord. Yes. So do you, I don't suppose you have the rushing yards for Army, do you? I sure do. Oh, right good. Here, okay. Because I, I find this intriguing in that many people have been talking about that game. Okay. Like, oh, my gosh. Did you watch that Wake Forest Army game? I, I'll probably talk out of two sides of my mouth here a little bit because I understand but how I, a game I, like that. But can I just say right off the top of my head, that's not pretty football. Thank you. 70 to 55, you said? 70 to 56. So the stats for Army in that game, 600 yards of total offense, 415 yards rushing. But wow. what's even crazier is they added almost 200 yards passing. I mean, that's like a season total for them. So I understand that teams like Wisconsin, because I don't mean to bag on Wisconsin specifically, but in the end, did Wake Forest win the football game? Yes. Did Wisconsin win the football game? Yes. Wisconsin won it. How Wisconsin wins games by physically strangling you on defense and you don't win the game. Wake Forest outscores you. My point is who's to say one is better than the well, other. They also, Jimmy Leonard also put the Army offensive coordinator into some co- kind of spell where he right. refused to let his quarterback give the ball up to anyone <laughs> but the fullback on a dive the entire first half. Um, and maybe it was because they took a look at how hard those linebackers were crashing on the outside yeah, right. and they thought there's nothing there, so let's just try to beat up the middle. I mean, you, I'm just you, saying. Can, you can also throw the ball, you, which they did not do. <laughs> Until the very end, and they actually got some <laughs> correct points on the board. Anyways, I just... I feel like that's something that, that to me, when I listen to the national podcast, it, it is just a a constant dogging of teams that don't have good offenses. Because I'm not saying Wisconsin does. No, they do not. But a, but a complete just... Yeah, just, just ignore the defense. Ignore the defenses that are absolutely atrocious and, like and, Wake Forest. And don't even acknowledge the fact that Wisconsin's giving up 45 yards a game on Rushing. the ground. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's, it's historically Well, good. no, it's got to be less than that by now. I haven't looked at it this week it, because they gave right up negative. But they gave up negative to 13 Purdue. to Purdue. Yeah. I thought it, well, maybe I think okay. it, I it think inched it's up after Army and then out came back, back down. down. Yeah. I think it's okay. right around. I think it's actually off the top of my head. I think I read it's 53. Oh, so the, the total oh they're of, slipping, man. The, well, <laughs> the total of Army. But, but how funny is that? They're season high Army versus a service academy. And they come right back the next week versus Purdue and have a negative. That's incredible. Um, okay, so your favorite thing to talk about, I'm being facetious when I say that, but we are one week away, I believe. It's Tuesday oh, or Wednesday yeah. from the college first oh, college football boy. playoff. Yeah, so... The playoff rankings. Rankings, yeah. yeah. So we... Glued to my TV. Everywhere. We are both of the thought process that the, completely focusing on the college football playoff and just the four teams that get in, it is detrimental to college football, yes. the health of college football, and in general, the roughly 122 teams that are not actually actively going for the top, you know, four Correct. spots. Like, so I'm with you with that. With that being said, it is the main goal of, you know, at least two or three teams that are still alive in the big 10 conference right okay. now. And, you know, I don't think this is how this will go, but just, just starting to throw out things that are out there because it's going to have playoff imp- implications for big 10 teams. So, it's possible that Oklahoma could go thirteen and zero. Okay, win the win the Big Twelve uh, conference. Yeah, Bama has got one loss. Georgia's undefeated right now. Sure, it is generally considered that Alabama's going to get into the SEC championship at eleven one, and Georgia will be twelve and zero. 
if Bama beats Georgia, we now have a 12 and one SEC champion Bama team with Georgia's only loss being being Bama. Right. So, uh, and then you that's out of those scenarios right there. Oklahoma going 13 to zero, lowest chances I think that so. I think would happen. If you look at who Oklahoma has played. Like you it's, could make their an argument back, to, back right. weighted, right? They've got Oklahoma State, yeah. Iowa State, and Baylor oh, in boy. the back part of yeah. the schedule. Me thinks one of those games, you know, they would lose. Um, but then you get into the interesting, you know, three, four, five spots. Like obviously only three and four get in, but um Oregon is sitting there right now with one loss, okay? With one very big win, of course, which is against Ohio State. The question that's coming out, and I this is the one question that I do find interesting: a twelve and one Oregon versus a twelve and one Ohio State. If it comes down Boy, that, to yeah. it, you've got Oregon that not only has the head to head win, it has the head to head win in the horseshoe. That yeah. is that is a tough but hurdle for the, the Buckeyes to get over. Yeah, but one of the things that I don't necessarily agree with. But any of these voters, whether you go back to the AP days when that really meant something or the coaches poll, and now really all that matters is the college football playoff rankings, they the, the early loss somehow is easily forgiven. It's a good point. I don't know why. Like, it, yep. it doesn't count because it was in September. Well, I mean, it, it, the thought process is the team that we have at the end of the year is closer to the finished product than what we I saw I guess, but then why do, why do we play the games in September? I'm with you there. Um, something that Danny Cannell does on Twitter and on his podcast, he, he, he puts wins and losses, go figure, very high up. Meaning, if one team is 5-0 and and one team is 4-1, and he's generally going to rank the 5-0 and team. Sure over the four and one team because, Hey, that team hasn't lost a game. So I am torn with this. I, I had a conversation with Darren, the American, and we kind of talked about the same thing. You're darn right. Wins and losses should matter, but then here's where it gets interesting. Uh, to me, a 12 and one Ohio state, or for that matter, a 12 and one Michigan, a 12 and one Michigan state, a 12 and one Iowa. Okay. To me, they should all get in over a 13 and zero Cincinnati. Now, yeah, I'm, Cincinnati I, I agree has with that. okay. You, Cincinnati, if they go thirteen and zero, they have the best argument of any group of five team because of the win over Notre Dame. Notre Dame yeah. keeps winning; like they they're not losing football right. contests. And then I believe it's SMU is who they have in a couple weeks, or maybe they're maybe that would be at for the AAC championship. I'm I'm not a AAC aficionado, but it's another team that's on their schedule, so they would have two pretty good wins, but I think of Coastal Carolina last week, okay? Coastal Carolina has just been blowing the doors off people. The first time they played a, a team and I that I think was ranked not in the triple digits. Like, some of the teams wow. they've ranked are group of five teams ranked below FCS teams. That's how bad their schedule no was. No kidding. They played a, a another G5 team in their conference with a semi-pulse, and they got beat I'm not saying you can apply what to happen to Coastal Carolina to Cincinnati, but there are parts of what Coastal Carolina's schedule have that Cincinnati has that I I don't think you can ignore that, and I don't think the College Football Playoff Committee will ignore no, that. No, and I don't think the College Football Playoff Committee ever wants to put a group of five team into a four-team playoff, which is why I've been saying for years, group of five should make their own playoff. 
I'm more open to that now than I've ever been. Um, I'm still not sure exactly how I feel about it, but I, I do see that point. Long story short, the thought process is Cincinnati. Again, I haven't looked up their schedule. They could be idle this week, but the, the thought process is Cincinnati will win again this week. They did not look fantastic versus Navy last week. What is going to be interesting is a 7-0, 8-0, whatever Cincinnati is. Where will the college football playoff committee have them in that initial yes. ranking? Oh, because good. if they start at like six, they're already screwed. Right. So, at that but point. if they start at two, they got a shot. They got a shot. So, if you are an Ohio State fan, the number one thing you want to do is obviously take care of business on Saturday night. The next thing you're going to be looking for is where is Oregon, and especially I would yeah. say Cincinnati ranked in relation sure. to your football team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is very interesting. And and but and then another thing though, thirteen and one Oregon, thirteen and one Ohio State. Okay, this is my argument for Ohio State. Who has the better loss? Oregon, Ohio State. Right. I would say Ohio State is a better loss. Correct. I know, which is weird, but because they Oregon. Lost I mean, Oregon could be, have a loss to like a six and six, five and seven Stanford team. So that's an ugly loss. Okay. Right. Then you start doing quality wins. So this is where when Big Ten fans crap on other Big Ten programs. I don't quite grasp that no, not because what Ohio State needs is they need more wins. Now, your quality wins. Now, you know, we think, they'll, you know, Vegas says they'll get one Saturday night. They've still got Michigan and Michigan State out there. They got to beat those teams first. Don't get right. me wrong. Point being is you – you probably, I don't know who you want, Michigan or Michigan State to win. I would think most Ohio State fans are probably cheering for Michigan State because they hate Michigan that much. But in the end, it's good for Ohio State that as the college football playoff committee is starting to get their eyeballs on these teams more and more and gasp, did the Big Ten Conference actually do something intelligent here? Backloading these games mm. so that when more eyeballs are on these right. teams – including Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. Well, it certainly worked out for Ohio State. I, I think so. Yeah. Like, and it also gave them time to round into form. You could make an argument that if Ohio State could only lose one game this year, they picked the right one. Probably, yeah. So, again, like, I'm not going to lose sleep over this stuff. I, I, I just – I think it's something that you're going to see – more and more. Um, I got one last little thing here before sure. we, you, or do you got, you, do you no, have, go for it. Okay. I, I, anyways. Okay. Well, let's see what you got. Cause okay. we got a couple, a couple other little, not housekeeping, just a couple of little, well, do you want to let's, should we talk the James Franklin thing now? Well, I so that's what I, go ahead. I yeah. wanted to talk. Okay. So James Franklin and his presser this week, got a couple presser <laughs> stories here. He just, I, I don't know. His, his head wasn't there as he was being interviewed. And so he mentioned twice, look, I'm just focusing on getting ready for Illinois. Two times he said that. And then he talked about playing in the big house this weekend. That's three big gaffes in one interview. Um, I heard you a Penn State have been fan. You about Illinois last week, yeah. James Franklin. I heard a Penn State fan call into a national show that said, basically, he's playing 3D checkers and that he's trying to deke Ohio State and oh, Ryan Day. okay. That's, that's a deep cut. That's right a deep there. cut. Um, I think he, I'll say this. If Penn State was undefeated or if James Franklin wasn't getting rumored for other jobs, namely, I believe, USC, I don't think this is a big deal at all. I don't think people are even paying attention. Okay. But because of those things, I mean, that's the real life 
real world we live in, it's gotten a lot of attention. It's gotten a lot of attention for sure. By chance, did you see his presser tonight after? No. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I just saw it. Literally, you're probably driving over here. Um, he tried to explain what he <laughs> okay. said what yesterday. Did he say? What did he say about it? Uh, um, basically, I'm committed to this program. Yeah. I think if you look at my track record, I'm committed to this program, my work in the community, which all that stuff I believe sure. is true. But then he kind of just was like, then he, then he, he should have stopped right there in sales. Me and you have learned. I've learned. Sure. Once you have the sale, shut oh, up. Just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> don't absolutely. don't over talk. You ever be you're ever in a sales call with another salesman? They just want to shut up. Yes. Oh Worst thing God, in the it's, world. It's awful. Horrible. You're like hit, yeah, hitting them and then. But and then that's my side thing. Journalists, when I get mad at you know the up the lack of journalism that is happening all across the board. If I make if somebody makes fun of a salesperson, it's not me. I think I'm a pretty good salesperson, but there are horrible salespeople sure, out there. And to be honest with you, I hope there's more salespeople that are horrible out there because that would just make guys like me and of you and other good salespeople look that much better. And, and by the way, another thing we didn't mention, James Franklin changed his agent this week. Changed his agent. And then on top of it, he he said something tonight about... When the season is over, we'll talk more about college football in general and how it gets confusing with the future. What? Yeah. You'd have to go listen to it. Wow. It's, it's okay, we'll prediction, s- prediction. I think he's, I think I, he's, I think he's going to be in Southern California. Yeah, I think he's gone. I, I'm officially to the point now where I, I, think I believe so. he's going to be in Southern California. I mean, the changing agents, that's a pretty big deal. I, I would say you might as well put a billboard on Why your would sign, you ever do that mid-season if you're not in negotiations How does that get out? If, if the Theoretically... I don't know the any only, of that agent Theoretically, stuff the only three people that would know would be your agent and your ex-agent. So, so maybe right, your ex-agent so is the one it. who leaked it. Yeah, maybe. But isn't there a way that you and your new agency can essentially put an agreement you together? Would think so. But it doesn't go it doesn't go public until, until I don't know. Twenty four hours after the season's over? I don't know. So don't strange. Know. Okay. It's a strange world that I know nothing about. Speaking of pressers, Brett Bielema's presser this weekend or this week, was kind of interesting. He told a story that I thought some of our listeners might want to hear. So he's talking about the week leading up to the Penn State game last week and how he had decided he wanted everyone on the team who wears gloves to wear the same color gloves. He wanted it to be a uniform. Everyone should be wearing the same color. So I want it to be blue, he said. He told everyone, you're all wearing blue gloves this week. Well, Casey Washington the receiver that caught the two-point conversion in the ninth OT to win the game, he said, Coach, I'm not wearing these blue things. I'm wearing my white ones because they're nice and broke in. They're comfortable. I feel good in them. I'm not putting on a new pair of gloves that I'm going to have to break in. I won't feel as good catching the football. So it's actually a, a pretty good reason he had. And they Look cut. good, feel good. Feel good, play good. So they bantered back and forth, and he was Casey was steadfast. He said, no, I am wearing white gloves. So – Bert gives in. He's all right, let him wear his stupid white gloves. So he wears his white gloves, catches the the game-winning two-point. Well, gets a call from the College Football Hall of Fame. They want a piece of memorabilia from from the the Illinois victory, and they wanted his hat, Bielema's hat that he was wearing that day. He says, no, I like this hat. I'm not going to give you this hat. I tell you what I can give you. I can give you a pair of white gloves, (laughs) the gloves that caught the winning two-point pass. So he had Casey Washington ship his gloves out to the College Football Hall of Fame, oh, and he solved that little problem. That, that is had. fantastic, man. I mean, but this, now there's a story behind it. I mean, 
Casey Washington is going to be telling that story literally for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's and fantastic. He, and he's just got this week to break him in for this weekend against Rutgers. Hopefully he can get him broken in in time. My my guess is he can catch enough balls this week. Uh, so all these games, you got, you got anything else? No, that's it. So all these games are taking place on Saturday, October 30th, which means the day after is... Sunday, October thirty first, Halloween. We got a we got a Halloween weekend. Um, ironic that Iowa is playing in Madtown because Madtown is known for all how awesome their Halloween celebrations sure. are. If you are lucky enough to make it into Madison, you're you're gonna probably have a good time this weekend. And as eyes on big listeners know. Halloween originated in Anoka, Minnesota. Not far away from the downstairs athletic club. If you're a longtime listener, you already know that. You would know that. A couple things here. Okay. I'm just curious. Did you did you dress up as a kiddo? In, in well, of course. Costume? Okay. All right. Store-bought uh, costumes or did mom get involved? It was. It depended on the year. depended on okay. what I was going to be. If it was something my mom could, you know, gin up, she would do it. Otherwise, like, there'd be years where, like, I was just... Oh no, I'm I'm Superman this year, baby, and okay. we go get like the go get it with the cheap, you know, the cheap mask with right. the single strap. Yep, uh, that broke by the band. end of the night yeah, every single time. Gone after yep. an hour, so that, yeah, it just depended. Okay. Um, shout out again to to Mrs. or or I'll call her Grandma Greek, Grandma Greek. Yeah. my my mom. Now that she's grandma, she was a goat at making. I okay. mean, she made that stuff from scratch. I was a crayon one year that she made from scratch. I was a uh, rocket. She, she excelled at that. Um, okay. If right now we'll, we'll go now. Halloween candy. You're reaching in. Somebody's going to offer you some Halloween candy. What is, what's the candy you want to say? Um, I like caramel and I like toffee. Okay. You're so any toffee. caramel or toffee? <laughs> Why are you That's, laughing at me? You might as well. It's like an old soul, old soul. Can't, might as well be Werther's Originals at this well, okay, point. Oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> hey, I just had some Werther's this yeah, week. Man, Werther's They're are fantastic. <laughs> Have you had their caramel? They they do a caramel. It's, it's fantastic. Can you find me one and bring it over on Sunday, on Halloween? Actually, I can't because okay. they're my sons. Okay. He left in my house and I was eating them. And then he came over and I gave him the rest. Okay. Um, but I always, as a kid, I was like the fruit flavored stuff. Okay, bingo. That is literally where I was going. Okay. When I was a kid, I mean, uh, uh, sweet tarts. I would love that whole tarts. skinny roll. Oh, God, I, I could go through that whole thing. The spree, remember the sprees? Kid, Maybe uh, sprees were better. I don't even Skittles know. Were great. Skittles uh, were great. Nerds were great. Nerds were fantastic. How about fun dips? Fun dips. Were... Fun dips, amazing. Starburst, amazing. All that stuff. Is Starburst it? level down to me. Yeah, I still like the Starburst. But at some point, so uh, the wife, Mrs. Greek, she's she got the candy. "Quote unquote," hit it, dude. A five and a half year old can find hidden candy. Like oh, sure. they, they turn straight sleuth at that point, yeah. and they find it. So he found it. It's all it's all sugary, fruity stuff, which is good because I got zero interest in that stuff. Like I just it doesn't interest me now that I'm you know halfway through my life. I um, still like Skittles. I I'll still tear up a bag of yeah, Skittles. Yeah. Um. But right now it's it's candy. Um. Or uh, chocolate. You know bars and. I could be talked into a Reese's peanut butter cup or a Kit Kat, like all of that stuff's good for me. Probably Reese's peanut butter cup is okay. to me the goat. But I just want to say, like, I feel like Three Musketeers gets shat on way more than it. I, I think it's a quality candy bar. I mean, it's okay. Okay. Um, and then another one is, dude, 
When's the last time you had an almond joy? Oh, I like almond oh, joys. Oh, the coconut with the. Oh, That's an underrated candy bar. I think almond joy is great. Uh, it's fantastic. All right. Um, not, not, mounds not as good. I like the almond in there. Uh, mounds, but mounds is good. Mounds, both good. Yeah. Both good. But I do. Yeah, I like the almond. Uh, what in about there. a peppermint patty? You know, like one. I mean, you just you can't sit there and. No, you can't. But a peppermint patty with a with a cold glass of milk is delicious. Heaven, right yeah. there. Um, last thing, okay. Okay. We're about the same age. I'd like to point out you're a little bit older, but we we would all have access to these movies at about the same time. So you are suddenly in. You can pick one of these movies to be in. Okay. And you are cinematically killed by this person. Who would you choose to get cinematically killed by Jason? Oh, Freddy Krueger. Okay. Or Michael Myers. Um. Okay. I gotta go with. I guess I gotta go with Freddy. Really, Freddy Krueger. I think okay. so. Yeah, that's what I mean, I'd if go. You're with. Going out, go with some style. Go. With, okay. See, I thought maybe you would go with Jason or Michael Myers because. They don't talk much. They just kind of lumber around. No, and... I wouldn't mind to have a good chat before I get done in. <laughs> Freddie knew how to chat, man. He did. Yeah. You know what? I, I was... By the way, I choose Freddie, too. I'm, I figured you would choose one or the other, too. But Freddie, I love Freddie. I made my own Freddie glove out of one of my dad's work gloves. And back in the day, if you remember, rakes, were they were made out of metal. Yeah. You know, metal rakes. Sure. So I got one of his tools and I clipped off oh boy. four. I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, <laughs> and duct taped them sure. to the end of a glove. Those shit, that shit was sharp, by the way. That that was a weapon. Oh, yeah. I, but anyways, I had the coolest man-made Freddy glove of all time. I'll never forget. Just you know, from childhood, I always this line stood out to me. So there was a couple, and uh, the gal goes to like whatever, slip into something more comfortable, and Freddy kills the dude, right? And uh, or is it the other way around? Wait, no, I think don't screw this so, up. I'm excited. Okay, now. so she's like, as she's going to slip into something more comfortable, she says, "Pour me a bourbon" or something like that. One of them says, "Pour me a bourbon." Okay. And so then, when she comes back, Freddie has killed the guy, and he goes, "Pour me a bleeping bourbon." <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that from being yeah. a kid. I didn't yeah. know what a bourbon was. I'm like, it I mean, sounds really adulty. As you know, if you were in late elementary, middle school. You know, somebody was going to get ripped to shreds and you're going to get to see boobs. I mean, that's the it's the it's all you can hope for when you're in middle school. I mean, in terms of horror films, that was my favorite one, I would say, was the Freddy. Oh, stuff. loved him. Yeah, loved him. Yeah. 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 All right. You know what else is pretty scary here? I'm trying to pick these games this week <sighs> with these. Spreads, man. This man. is fantastic. So once again, all seven of these games are Big Ten on Big Ten, which means all 14 uh, teams are in action. And it all takes place on Saturday, October 30th. My most annoying part of this is, I mean, come on, four games at 11 o'clock, yeah. two in the afternoon, one in the evening. You you could have parsed this out a little bit. They're better. not even thinking about us. They're re- And you would think they would because, you know, like, we're the fans and the ones viewing these football contests and where the advertisement comes Shouldn't in. Shouldn't they but... be calling us, consulting me and you for the schedule each week? If, if, in... And it wouldn't arrogantly have to be me and you, but just like no, I think like a be. dozen football fans, Big Ten football fans. Like, how would you parse this out if it was up right. to you? Let us. Oh, I would. I would put six of them at eleven a.m. Don't have an afternoon <laughs> game and just one at night. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there's a better chance of that happening than three, three, and two, or or three, two, and two, which is how it should have been. Should have been. Anyways, all right. First game up the. Six and one, number nine ranked Iowa Hawkeyes coming into Cheeseland, 
to take on the 4-3, and three, suddenly hot Wisconsin Badgers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN. Line Badgers by 3, over-under 36.5. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of a 20-17 to 17 Badgers victory. 80% of the wow. bets are on Iowa, which Boy, blows my mind. Me too. A um, couple things to throw out here. So the game leader, this, this stat comes from uh, Scott Docterman. The game leader in rushing, so whoever, which other team has more rushing yards, has won 18 of the last 20 games. Wow. 18 of 20. That is 9 out of 10, if my that math is good. That's a big advantage high. to Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and then shout out to Hawk Fett. Yeah. Uh, you know, he asked, what's the over-under for punts in this game? Did you? Did you? I saw already, this. I thought it was a fantastic tweet. It is tweet, a fantastic question. By the way. What it, I, I knew my number instantly. Okay. But then I actually thought about it a little bit, okay? And by the way, he added a little color. I believe he said that I was averaging six punts a game. Yep. And that Wisconsin's averaging five punts a game. So you're already at 11, 11 in a typical game. And these are, you know, probably maybe the best defense each of these teams has faced. Okay. Maybe this year. If you look at the average game, average possession per team is 12. That's the typical game, right? So that's only 24 possessions for the game. They're averaging 11 punts out of those 24. But then if you go look deeper into it, two of those possessions end the half and end the game. Right. So, so you really only have 22 chances to punt the ball. Okay. So so then you got to factor in the times that they score, right? Those, you know, obviously you don't punt the ball if you're scoring. So there's, I mean, I, I, my initial number was 12 and a half. Okay. The more I thought about it, I think 12 and a half is still my number. It's still your number. I think so. Okay. Um, and then... Out of curiosity, I went back to 2015, the infamous ah, 10 to 6 game. Okay. Want to take a guess how many punts were in that game? 13. Nine. Oh, really? Quite a bit lower. So huh. if you are setting it at 12 and a half, I'm going to take the under because I think one of the things that you're failing to think about yeah. is there will be a, a shocking little amount of passing attempts in this game. Right. Hence, a quicker game. This yeah, is that's an a good point. This so is an eleven be, o'clock game that could be over by like one thirty. Could only be ten or eleven possessions per team. So I'm going to take the under the twelve and a half. I thought you would go a little bit under that for the over under. So I'll, I will take the under. Yeah, I would take the under too. Now that okay. you said that. Okay. Interesting. That's a good though. point. I like it. Um, another thing I'd like to point out. I, I pointed this out on Twitter, but um, you know, infamous ten to six game, right? In 2015, a tweet I put out. But what people forget. Using the regular season scoring for both teams before and after that game, regular season, sure. Wisconsin averaged twenty nine points a game, which is pretty good that year. They only their only other horrible offensive output was a loss to Northwestern. They lost like thirteen to seven, okay. so they had another game like that. Iowa averaged thirty eight point eight points Ooh. per game that undefeated two thousand fifteen year. That ten to six game was wow. an anomaly for both teams, especially Iowa. I just like to point that out. With that being said, I don't think we're going to get a lot of points <laughs> on Saturday here. No, oh I do my god! But thirty six and a half. Uh, you, you know, each week we're saying, well, how could you possibly have a total lower? And it keeps creeping down. I mean, we thought it was going to be the lowest over under. When Wisconsin played a service academy team, Purdue went under that, and Iowa and Wisconsin has gone under that. It's just another look, again, that Vegas and the rest of the country have, the gamblers, on this Wisconsin defense. It's incredible. Like, the, to be able to burst into 
the first team uh, all Big Ten linebackers this year. Good, mm-hmm. good. I mean, every year it's tough, but good luck this year. I mean, Jack Hamill on the other side sure. for Iowa, <laughs> having an amazing year. Leo Chanel is is. I'm telling you, he's the best defender in the league right now. He is all over the place. Yeah, he makes plays downfield. He makes plays behind the line of scrimmage against the running back, rushing the quarterback. Dude, that guy is a freak show. He is. Freak show. And, and, and boy, the, by the way, Jack Sanborn, also pretty good. Yeah. This is an incredible defense. We've known it's been incredible all year long. You know what makes an incredible defense even more incredible is if your rushing attack comes out because now you, you're playing well, a little... It's- it's been coming out. I mean, they, they do have finally an offensive weapon, and it's just their running game again. Um, so Wisconsin, we know, has been having an atrocious season, right? Awful year. So bad. Well, you blink, and they're four and three. And, and not only are they four and three, th- this is my theme for this game is the feels. I have feels, feels. about this game. I, I have feels about what Wisconsin's been doing and where they're trending right now. And you look at the games or the teams they've lost to. Penn State, which was, I'm not going to say they gave it away. They didn't deserve to win that game, okay? But came right down to it, right? They were in it with Notre Dame deep, deep. into the fourth quarter. It looked and like a blowout. Just, it really wasn't It was not. And then, um, I mean, they challenged Michigan. Michigan was the, the game where you most that was looked the at and you yes, said they, they were not as good as Michigan. They kind of got beat like a drum. Long story short, though, their three losses are against three pretty good teams. Yes. You know, and then right. and, and a, the Purdue win, lest you forget, they were ranked when they beat them. You know, Army's not horrible. Like, they've had they played a tough schedule is they what I'm saying. they played a tough They're, schedule. They are battle-tested. And their defense... I said it already. This yeah. is going to be the best defense that Iowa has seen all year. It's going to be the best defense they anybody will in the see. Big Ten sees all Correct. year long for the most part. So definitely. Now, the nitpick thing is a thing that is nitpicky with Wisconsin. They they really like giving the ball away. Um, even yeah. against – now, the game was – again, Purdue-Wisconsin was a lot like of other Wisconsin games. It was 13-13. to I swear to God, almost every one of their games is 13-13 to late in the game. Now, that one wasn't quite as late. It was like mid-two-thirds of the way through the third quarter. And then Purdue's just like, here, take the ball. Here, take the ball. And, and Wisconsin just kind of ran away with it at that point, okay? With that being said, even in this game and throughout the year, they've just been loosey-goosey with the football. I mean, it is no – secret right now that they are doing everything they can to keep Graham Mertz yes. out of bad situations. And, and I think they're just telling him, look, if you have any doubt whatsoever, don't throw the freaking ball because look at your defense. Yeah. And turn and let's like, I don't, I should have literally clicked it out. But when I watched the Wisconsin Purdue game, I, I, I really don't think I'm being crazy when I say these stats, I think they ran the ball 90% of the time on first down 85% of the time on second down and honestly 60% of the time on third down. They were doing everything they could to not throw the ball. Sure. And and like you said, when you're not giving up points and by the way, Iowa doesn't have a great offense. You don't need to score a ton of points here. Correct. Just, so just let your defense do their work. Right. And let your ground game move the ball. And just stay out of the way, Graham Mertz. I agree. Um, Shea Louis has been looking better and better. Braylon Allen, by the way, 17 years old. Braylon I, Allen. That is amazing. I have red meat inside me that's older than 17. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you do, too. I mean, there was a couple of Illini back in 2017. One that was two of them, actually. The, the first game, 
they played and yeah. they started. They were 17, but then they turned 18 like the still next Still 17, week. yeah. That's that's amazing. He's yeah. mid-season. He's still 17. My buddy Hen that I played at Iowa with, he didn't turn 18 until the summer before our second year. He was oh that young. goodness. He was that young. So yeah. he was getting recruited. He was probably you know, 15, 16 years old well, back in the day. 15, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. And by the way, uh, Braylon Allen was a four-star. I screwed that up on the last podcast. But the other thing is Braylon Allen, a little leaky. With the football. Graham, he is. He is. Leaky. I like that. It's uh, a good term. Mertz, little leaky. Oh, leaky. Their return game, leaky with the football. Okay. Special teams is the place well, that Iowa has a chance as we move well, special over. special teams, but then also Iowa's defense and okay. causing turnovers. you got to give them credit for that. Going against a team that's prone to turn it over, I would think that's a huge advantage for Iowa. In this that game. is not only a huge advantage. I'm not so sure if it's not the only advantage. Well, the two advantages that Iowa have Iowa has is stark, okay? Turnovers, forcing turnovers, and special teams. Yeah. And I swear if I had not watched how Iowa won the first games, you know, the first 6 games of the year, I would still say that the key to Iowa winning this game would be defense, special teams, and turnovers. It's just that even if you watched the Iowa games, that's how they've won these games. But I think also they're they're not going to be able to run the ball. No. So they're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to have to move the ball a little bit through the air to win this game. And can Spencer Petras do that? If he if he does it, I think it it involves Keegan Johnson in some way. Dude, and and I've got average mind thinks like thinks average minds <laughs> think alike as I screw up the saying. I have Keegan Johnson written down here too. Do I? I but I Keegan Johnson is definitely a a, a weapon in the future for Iowa yeah, football. But, but he needs to be a weapon now. He does, but like I don't know if I want this weapon coming out or being forced to come out as a freshman on the road against sure. this defense. That's a scary thought. Of course. Um, can, here's the thing that I want to point out: Iowa, please, ju- just stop giving up so many negative plays, dude. We've been pretty good at staying away from uh, turnovers and penalties. It is astonishing how many rushes for loss and, of course, sacks with the statue of Petrus. Like, th- but that is the key to the Iowa offense looking better. Like, if you if you talk to an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, if, if things are going poorly, you can't fix everything at once. you got to start some spot. Sure. One, the place that Iowa needs to start with is – eliminating them negative plays, okay? There's a difference between second and 10 and second and 14. There's a big difference, yes, there especially is. with Four an Iowa offense. The problem is I don't think this is the defense to get it done with right. this week, even with Iowa coming out of an idle week. I mean, you've got Jim Leonard versus Brian Ferentz. I mean, yeah. that is I, – I don't feel good about it. I've got – I, I think it's just going to be a close game, okay? I do think it's going to be a close both, game as well. Both teams are going to be so geared up to not turn the ball over. It's just hard for me to see big plays happening. But eventually, I think Wisconsin can pop a big enough run. Something mm-hmm. like that would happen. They'll get some offense. I've got Wisconsin 16, mm. Iowa 9. <laughs> So at 27 points, that's my under. Wow. Okay, I desperately wanted to go under here. I tried to talk myself into it. I couldn't. They're gonna. These teams are each going to accidentally score once and, and, and push that total up. I've got a low-scoring affair, of course, but I've got Wisconsin 
not only winning, but covering 21 to 17 for a total of 38 and barely an over. But that's a point and a half over. How crazy is that? At 38 points. It's an over. And that's kind of an easy over when you think about it. When it's only 36. No, not really. Won't feel easy if it's 6 to 3 at halftime, brother. But all right, moving on. Staying in the morning games or noon games, if you will, the 3 and 4 Rutgers Scarlet Knights coming into Illinois to take on the 3 and 5 Fighting Illini, 11 o'clock a.m. game on BTN. Line Scarlet Knights by a point and a half over under. 42, boy, did that thing drop. Vegas is saying something along the lines of 21 to 20 Rutgers. 80% of the bets are on the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, I found I found the line a little curious, and I found the betting a little curious on this one. Me too. Okay, I yeah. mean, to me, Illinois is coming off a huge win. So that's their big disadvantage here is the letdown game. That's the one thing that I feel like is going against Illinois but I look at everything else, and it just feels like almost everything else is in their favor. I They're agree. at home, which is huge. This is, by the way, very evenly matched game. Two evenly matched teams here. Yep. But being at home, I think, is huge. Now, both programs obviously have a long way to go, but I feel like overall, the Rutgers program probably has a higher arrow up right now. But in the moment, the snapshot... Could the arrow be any higher for Illinois right now? Or at least and, higher for as compared to Rutgers. And Rutgers is kind of in yeah. in the season pointing down. So there's no quarterback to be found on either roster here. But you have to give the nod to Noah Vedral, I think, in the quarterback room. I don't – no, I don't think so. Really? I, I, not to the point where it's an obvious thing. Um, Interesting. Right now, if I'm looking at both offenses, who is the best – and most consistent player on both offenses. Well, we'll see if the uh, Illinois offense can keep the defenders on the chase. Hey, yo. I mean, well, Chase Brown, it, he's, he's the, he is the best offensive player. And by the way, that often, whoever plays better offense is going to win this game. Right. Right. Because they're both <laughs> playing pretty good defense. So I feel like defense is kind of a wash. So who can actually move the ball and score? And so, yes, Chase Brown, but just the running game for Illinois in general, I think gives them an advantage. I, the way I look, I this line scared me. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I And I think it scared the public because it hasn't moved much. I think everybody collectively took a look at this and said, what the heck is going on here? Because, I mean, Illinois is at home, you know. Um, I know Rutgers was idle last week. That is yeah, a thing. That, we is, have, that is a thing. We have seen this. So that is my biggest reason to pause. But, like, okay. Northwestern, okay, to flip this, Northwestern versus Power 5 teams, okay? Their, their offense, it's it's been bad. It's been a bad offense. Okay. Or, or I take that back. I did that wrong. Northwestern defense versus Power 5 teams. Yeah. Not, not named Rutgers. They've averaged giving up 40 points per game. Okay, yeah. Rutgers scored seven versus Northwestern. That's right. my point. Okay, right. So you're just saying Illinois may have a bad offense. Rutgers has a putrid offense. What do you feel good about with Rutgers offense? Well, I right do now? feel better about their quarterback situation than Illinois. But now I want to talk about the defense a little bit too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Finish the thought. I I feel better about Rutgers quarterback situation throughout the rest of the year. This Saturday, though. If Brandon Peters can literally stay on the field for four quarters, mm. which is a question mark. Yeah, that's a question mark. I'm not joking. That's a question mark. And by the way, if he's not on the field, oh, good yeah, Lord. Yeah, we, we drop know. off the quarterback oh, cliff at that point. So I am going to take yeah, But do you like Brandon Peters over Noah Vedro this Saturday? 
I think it's a throw it up in the air. See okay. which one comes down first. Okay, interesting. Uh, so now let's talk about the defense. Both defenses are pretty good, but Illinois is getting better, and Rutgers is going in the other direction. They're they're regressing a little bit Agreed. defensively. Another thing here, Illinois, they're battle tested. Okay, yeah. Two two of their last three games, I've gone over three hundred yards rushing. Okay, right. We we know they've played Big Ten teams. Okay. Maryland, Nebraska, they beat them. They could have beaten Maryland. Should have. They are battle-tested UVA, UTSA, and Charlotte. UTSA is undefeated. An off-season, you know, uh, uh, non uh, in the off-season, a non-conference schedule that got made fun of. Those teams are 18-5 and five right, right now with three of the losses coming from Charlotte, which is the team Illinois beat. Illinois has not had an easy game this entire year. No, they have not. And they've got wins over Nebraska and Penn State. Right. And Charlotte. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know when. And they know how to they know how to play in close games now, too. They've been in a bunch of close ones. I I, I tell you, the the number the one and two things that I'm looking at that make me nervous for Illinois isn't personnel and X's and O's and stuff like that. It's it's just the intangibles with Rutgers coming off. Being idle, yeah, and and Illinois that's coming a, down off that is a big one for me. Like they kind of are, are, you know, that's they're mixed together Those with are the that. same thing because that makes me think of Iowa, Purdue, Purdue is coming off being idle. Uh, Iowa just got done playing, ironically, Penn State with a big win. That is what scares me. There's one more thing that scares me: the Illini factor. <laughs> I have an Illini factor. I always add into every game. And I, I was trying to add it into the point that Rutgers would win this game, but I couldn't. Okay. It, it, I, I have Illinois winning the game in a pretty ugly slugfest, defensive battle, which is yeah, not, not necessarily a bad thing. Illinois 17, Rutgers 16 for a total of 33. And that okay. under is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. All right. I at, – at one point, unless I'm wrong, I think this over-under started at like 47. I'm almost positive. I think it's really? dropped like four or five points. If I would have been using my brain at the beginning of the week, I would have gotten that one in right away because I also don't think there's going to be that many points. I am pretty close to you. I have Illinois 20, Rutgers 17. So at 37 total points, I also have the under. Next game up, our third 11 o'clock a.m. game. We will be saving our fourth one for later in the podcast. The 2-5 and five Indiana Hoosiers going on the road to take on the 4-3 and three Maryland Terrapins. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on BTM. Line Terps by 5 and a hook over under 49.5. So Vegas is saying something like 27 to 24 Terrapins. Um uh, no, that's not quite right. Twenty-eight to twenty-four would be closer to it. This line has moved; has not moved. I don't think anybody knew what they were betting on in this game. I think both teams scare them equally. But yet, seventy-two percent of the money is on the Terps. It right. just hasn't moved. Um, this is kind of one of the games we're alluding to. Not going to get a huge amount of eyeballs from national people, even Big Ten fans, but sure. like. Both of these teams had bigger goals set at the beginning of the year. If you don't win this game, looking at how the other team looks, you can so you can use that 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 thought process sure. for both teams. It's a it's a bleak outlook for the rest of the year. It is. But then, you know, obviously Indiana is really struggling right now at two and five, but Maryland at four and three, they get a win here. And 
they're basically almost assured of a bowl game. Almost, almost assured. Yeah. They still got some tough games. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's going to yeah. be that any one of those games is going to be easy, but you got a bunch of chances to get that sixth win. So this is, to me, they have a lot to play for. Okay. I would spin that a little different. Okay. I would say you don't win this game. You ain't touching a bowl. No, I think that's probably true. Okay. I mean, they, they've played Ohio State, but they've still got... Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Penn State, like they got some tough games out there. You you you've got to win this game if you're Maryland. And so my thought so process is you you lose you and that's not a that's not a gimme win. No, either. it's not. So you lose this game, you're like, we're not going to the bowl. I and think you so. could and you could see the wheels not just fall off. Okay. They, they would gain speed as they as they <laughs> flew off the locksmobile. Okay, hold on. So speaking of, I wanted to so you you and I both, we have this whole thing about Locks kind of unravels at some point. He hits a point in the season and he unravels. Well, we we're not just making this up. We've seen it. I know. I'm saying we got to okay. come up with a term. Okay. I mean, I don't. I mean, I threw out the locks nest monster yeah. last week, or, he, the, he or un- I was thinking about maybe calling it the locks mess monster. Okay, but he at some point in the season he unlocks, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I, I don't. We'll spitball that. Maybe Twitter yeah. will give us some good ideas. Um, Maryland last week got beat down. By Minnesota. Um, I'll say this, though. Beginning of the game, it was a typical Locks thing. He dialed up plays that he had ready to go versus what he figured that Minnesota defense would throw out there. They went right down the field. And if it wasn't for a weird penalty, they would have either got a field goal or a touchdown on that first drive. It could That whole game could have looked different. I feel like... But it, again, that's another thing. Locks is... He's kind of like the Costanza where if he gets a good line in the company meeting sure. at the beginning, he he's, should walk out, out. Or, or maybe that's what he does. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe, what yeah. he does already. But it was the exact same thing. He They did look decent in, in the first half. I mean, Minnesota had the lead at halftime. They were the better team. Don't get me wrong. It was still a game, okay? Then in the second half, it just completely fell apart. Long story short, Maryland has got to get off to a good start in this game. What if you gave him an hour between possessions? <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have a much better record as if they took a half or, or maybe it would be like a week off in between every quarter. That would, yeah. That would, you'd be oh somebody. yeah. Oh man. Take a week off. <laughs> That's a good question. Tough to beat. Um, here, you want to hear, want to hear a crazy one? Yeah. Maryland, right? Offense locks, offense weapons, right? They have not scored more than 20 points versus a power five team since week one against West Virginia and wow. West Virginia turned the ball over four times in that game. They hand delivered about, okay. Yeah. I'll see that. And okay. I'll raise you oh. something defensive here. Yeah. On their three game current losing streak. Yeah. They're allowing 50 points per game defensively. I understand that. Um, we know that one of those games was against Ohio state throw it out. Okay? okay. All right. All right. One of those games versus verse was versus Iowa turned the ball over literally Almost every time they had short field, that's where they got that. So, and then Minnesota just kind of ran away with it. Minnesota is is what it is. I'm not throwing that out there. Point I'm trying to make is I still have pretty decent faith that the Maryland defense is pretty good. You do not not great. Less than what it was playing at the beginning of the year. They were playing great. Still a pretty good defense. But you know what can help out the Maryland defense? Playing this Indiana offense. Well, I mean that can help. But you know what? The Indiana defense. Still pretty you, good. No, it's really uh, okay. not, though. It's, 
But again, look at who they've played. They they battled Michigan State okay. hard. Okay, but they are— Throw, throw Ohio State out. Just, just throw it out. Okay, but their defense is dead last in points per game given up in the Big Ten. Dead Why? last. Why? Dead last. Why? Well, they're the— they're, Turnovers. When I, th- their offense. Because their offense stinks. Correct. Like, it, it's the opposite of when Iowa's got things up and running— what nobody realizes last year, Iowa was second in scoring in the Big Ten last year because of Iowa's offense. No, because of Iowa's defense and special teams putting it in good sure. position. It's the exact opposite with Indiana. Indiana's offense and special teams puts Indiana's defense in horrible positions yeah. all the time. Now, good news: Taiwan Mullen, Reese Taylor, both getting healthy. Er, we don't know that they're necessarily going to be starting and playing a ton, but they have been working themselves back into the rotation. Bad news. Quarterback oh, totals man. out. I mean, it's t- not confirmed because doesn't sound like he's Tommy playing. doesn't say. But so, is it going to be Donovan McCauley? Is it going to be Grant Gremmel? Is it going to be a combination of both? I don't know. But it, it, so we got a young not, guy or a walk on. That's our two choices. Yeah, it's it's not good news offensively. It is not for the Hoosiers right now. You know what is good news? What I think is good news. Okay, underbetters in this game. I do not see a lot of points. I don't think it's going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. Here I am talking out of two sides of my mouth. But I've got Maryland 20, Indiana 17. So at 37 points total, that is 12 and a half points under the 49 and a half point over under. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Nice. Okay. I'm going a little higher, but I've got, I've got, this was tough. But I just think Maryland has a little bit more going for them at home. I got Maryland 24, Indiana 23. So that's good for a total of 47 and an under. Okay. And that's a that's an Indiana cover there. Yeah, and I have an Indiana cover as well. I forgot to add that in. Since we both got our Amador double barrel lock of the weekend, might as well get a read through here. Well, the, since we're both sipping on yeah, an Amador. We're both sipping on right double now. Double barrel Cheers whiskey, right? Cheers to go. you. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California, and as always, hashtag ask for Amador. All right, moving into the afternoon, the 5-2 and two Minnesota Golden Gophers. Going into Evanston, which is near Chicago, yeah, but not in told. Chicago, to take on the three and four Northwestern Wildcats. Two thirty p.m. game on BTN. Line Gophers by seven and a nasty hook. Over under forty three point five. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of twenty six to eighteen Gophers, which sounds a lot like a Northwestern score. Eighty one percent of the money is on the visiting Gophers. Boy, we got a lot of that going on this week, don't we? Lots of numbers. Lots of high numbers. Yeah, yeah. So Northwestern. Uh, lost last week to Michigan, but kept beat, it close. But beat Rutgers easily. Yeah, the week before that. Yeah, but still lost three of their last four, and then before that, Nebraska. That that was ugly. So right did you, here's here's a stat for you: Northwestern is only averaging eleven points per game their last three games. It's not good. Not no. great, Bob. Yeah. That's not great, Bob at all. And, and, and this then, is going against a really good Gophers defense. Correct. And they played some. Pretty good defenses in that, but not that good where their numbers should be that low. They're they're just 
there's a lot of offensively challenged football teams in this conference this year. We have to be honest with that. There's a lot of offensively challenged. There's a lot of quarterback challenged teams in this conference. And this the two year. obviously go hand so, in hand. I do think it also plays in that there's a lot of good defenses in the well, big team this year. But of course, what Northwestern wants to do is run the ball. But yeah. the Gophers are number two in rush yards per game. Give it up. Another stat that's pretty incredible is how well the Gophers are rushing the ball and how poorly the Northwestern Wildcats are stopping people from they're, rushing. Well, the ball. they're dead last at stopping people from right. They're not stopping people from rushing the ball. Let's just say that. And, and they've played Michigan. Okay. A big chunk of them being that far gone was whatever the hell happened in the Nebraska game. Okay. Nebraska was definitely better. You know, that's, a football contest where you feel like if they played 10 times, Nebraska might win nine and a half of them. Yeah. I don't think they would give up 400 and some yards rushing every game though. Something was up in that game. With that being said, let's say we even cut their rushing total in half. It was still 200 yards rushing that right. they gave up that game. That's the magic number with Northwestern. That's the funny thing. They've won every game. They've kept people under 200 yards right? rushing. Okay. And they've lost every game that they've given up 200 yards rushing. Wow. That's just kind of an incredible stat to me. So speaking of, we th- thought about some kind of name we need for for locks. I got to come up with a name for this three-headed monster at running back that okay. Minnesota has. The Bryce, Bucko, and Kai Thomas show. Yeah. Something like that. Or, I don't know, Kai Thomas, Kaito. Can we call him Kaito? Or just like Bryce the, Bucko the and freshman Kaito squad show. or something like that. I don't know. Fresh- yeah. Well, Bryce isn't a freshman. Okay. Bucko and Kai Thomas are. are. Yeah. We we'll gotta, come up with something. We got to spitball that you one, You can't too. throw this stuff to me. I think I'm, I'm not that creative where I can come up with something. But if I think about it, you know, when, when my, I'm on the turlet, sure. that's where I come up okay. with my best stuff. My point being is that's that's a good three-headed monster to lean it on. It is, especially when it's your third, fourth, and fifth running backs from the beginning of the year, which is still just incredible. Um, so, you know, Northwestern at times has looked better, yet even when they look better, I still don't know who they are. I still don't no, know what really. they are offensively or defensively. So it's like, it's hard for me to break down Northwestern right now because I still don't know what I'm, I'm looking at. I've, I've watched the whole football contest from last week. I still don't know what I'm looking at. I want to remind everybody that Fitzmagic is never dead. Sometimes, it's never dead. Sometimes it just takes a break. Right. Um, switching over to Minnesota, um, I said on the last podcast that in the Big Ten West, the Minnesota very well might be the most complete team. I stand by that. Um, good defense. Not the best. Very good. Good rushing attack. I don't know if it's the best. Very good. Pretty good passing attack. Just, might be the best for the Big Ten West. It might bar, be, but the bar also, said historically low. What I what I said is I just have more trust in Tanner Morgan than the other quarterbacks. And I believe Gopher fans should all feel that way. I think that's why they get frustrated when PJ doesn't throw the ball more. Okay. Yeah. I listened to the uh, Gopher Radio podcast. Great podcast. Um, and I, I know that they get frustrated, but I, I would throw out to them that PJ has won a lot of football games yeah. and I think he is trying to protect his quarterback and his football team. And when they have leads, well, he's just, he's just running out the clock literally and figuratively and getting out of those. But games. also one of PJ's big, big things, it's not just this year. He wants to control the clock. He still believes in that old adage of yep. if you can control the clock, you control the game, you can easier win football games. He still wants to do that, and that's, the way you do that is by running the football well. Right. So he wants to do that well before he does anything else. Right. And it's never going to change. It, it probably will not, no. Um, and I, But, yeah, 
when they need to dial up a play in the passing attack, it's been there by and large this year, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got weapons. Right. And I trust the weapons. They have weapons. When they're healthy. Yep. Three good wide receivers, good tight end. Yep. Well, I don't know. This one this one wasn't that hard for me. Okay. Okay. I went with Minnesota win this game fairly easy. Thirty to thirteen. So easy cover by the Goves. Okay. But that's just squeaking right under underneath under. that total 43 of forty three and a half. half so you're Here's here's the one thought I have. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna send a shiver down Gopher fans' spines just a little bit. Okay. It would it would make more sense if this was an eleven o'clock a.m. game, you know, opposite because typically you don't want to play later when you go on the road. But I swear it 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 hurts you more the earlier you play when you go into Evanston, sleepy Evanston type yeah. of stuff like that. With that being said, is this the game where you know we see bad Tanner and we see sleepy Minnesota mm. mucking it up enough with Northwestern where they're just. They're just they're not putting them away, you know, and then what happens? The the thing that drives gopher fans and especially Ryan Burns the most nuts. A special teams. Oh. And it finally costs them and they lose the game. OK, but I don't think it's going to happen. OK, I'm just saying watch out for it. I've got Minnesota 28 Northwestern 13. Mm. So I've got a Minnesota cover. I I. The, the only thing that scares me about the line is the line itself. It seems like it should be closer to 10 to 12 right. to me. Seems a little bit low. And at 41, I've got just squeaking under the under as well. So when I gave that little, you know, fun little scary Halloween scenario for Minnesota, if Minnesota was, were to lose, that's what it would look like. Yeah. Okay. I, I just don't that. trust Northwestern enough to take advantage of Minnesota's defense. I went to a Minnesota game at Ryan Field one time. Did you? Yeah. Probably about. Mm, let me think. Probably about 20 years ago. Oh, there you go. Turns out, and just by chance, was sitting in the same section as my cousin. Oh, really? I saw my cousin down in, in a couple rows in front of me, and I said, hey, Mark. Turns around, he sees me, and he's got the scowl on his face. What's wrong? I got a bunch of money on Northwestern right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It was a downpour. We were just standing really? there in a downpour watching watching Ooh. all this money go down the, go down the drain. drenched, losing money. Yep. That's not a fun day. All right, two, three games left. The four and three Purdue Boilermakers at the three and five Nebraska Cornhuskers, 2.30 p.m. game on ESPN2. Have fun with Beth Mullins. Uh, line Huskers by seven and a hook over under 52. So Vegas is saying something like a 30 to 22 Huskers win. 62% of the bets are on Purdue. Um, so Nebraska uh, blew out Northwestern. Fans were like corner Gosh. turned. Even though we lost versus Michigan State and Michigan, we battled, and then they get the doors blown off by Minnesota, and it's their third year in a row that the Minnesota game really kind of took it to them, you know? And I think you could make an argument in the last two, three years, well, last two years previous to this, when they lost that Minnesota game, it really took the wind out of their sails for the rest Mm, of the year. So what I'm asking is, can Scotty get his groove back? This week, because well, and he's going to need it. I know they got beat fairly easily by Minnesota, but most of their losses have been really close losses. But are they really close losses at this point? Like, they just always lose those games, right? So at some point, the, just like, the well, amount that they lose by... doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but I understand what you're saying. Like, 
That's a the, loss is a loss at some point. Right, but that's the thought that keeps sticking in my... Because this is a really evenly matched game, too, I think. I think so. Um, and, I mean, Frost has owned Brown like Tom, for the most part, when they when those two have been matched up. Whatever... But, but what's interesting about that is there's been a lot of points on the board when these two teams have played in the past. Because typically in the past, well, these Frost, have been offensively dominated football teams struggling at defense as well. Right. I don't think we really have that this year, especially with Purdue. If I'm not mistaken, though, Brom is 2-1 and one against Frost. Really? I thought it was the other way around. I don't think so. I think okay. it's 2-1. and one. I, I think, think you're wrong. Okay. All I right. think well, you're hey, wrong. But I... Bean counters, let us know. Okay. Um, another thing that I'm curious about. I don't think that was a healthy 2 a.m. versus Minnesota. I think the the rushing attack for Nebraska with their quarterback, with obviously Martinez, was taken out of the game plan. I think mm. that fed into the rather easy victory by Minnesota. I tried reaching out to a couple different Nebraska fans. Nobody knows, but I'm telling you right now, if Adrian Martinez, if it's middle of the second quarter and he's got like one carry – it's not good for Nebraska. No, and remember I said before that Minnesota game that they they need to treat it like every game basically like this this is our win to get to a bowl game, and you just need to run Martinez at this point. Just run him. And if he's not running, that says a lot. I, absolutely. And it's – whenever you have a running quarterback, it's obviously going to be a big part of the offense. So this – I'm not trying to besmirch Nebraska on that, but they really need – Adrian Martinez to run the ball. Like it mm-hmm. just makes so many other things pop. And then the other side of it too, is if you don't have a mobile quarterback that has the ability to get away from the pass rush, even, even with their mobile quarterback, their stats on giving up stats and tackles for loss, it, it even makes Iowa's look decent. It's they're they're that poor. So now if you give me a hobble 2 a.m. versus George George Karlaftis Karlaftis. and this Nebraska offensive line, dude, we could be in for an interesting game. Like, uh, I was talking to a Hawkeye fan, and he was like, I don't know what to say other than I have this morbid curiosity of watching Nebraska games because I don't know what they're going to look like. And Uh, this is another one. See, I don't know what they're going to look like, but I also, I'm not really sure I know what Purdue's going to look like anymore. Because I, you know, it looked so great against Iowa, and then they they got me believing, and then I they get walloped by the Badgers in and the second who, half. In yeah, the second okay, half. that's fine in the second half. But who are they really? Probably somewhere in between, I guess. Rumor is one to two guys on the offensive line are out Ooh, for Purdue. They yikes. lost a starting defensive tackle late in the Wisconsin game. Okay. Might have fed into. The sudden explosion of rushing attack by uh, Wisconsin. Oh, boy. I mean, this is like literally no, a... Now I'm really confused. It's survival of the fittest at this point. Um, I, I, You are a true gambler if you bet on this. My, <laughs> my guess is if you did bet on this, I think you just take the points because when there's that many unknowns... Don't you just take the seven and a half points at that point? I think so, right? Yeah. Because that's a pretty... Big spread. And these are two, like we said, pretty evenly matched teams. Right. But I don't know. I didn't, now I feel less confident. I was feeling somewhat confident, but I'm still going to stick with my original pick, which is Purdue 24, Nebraska 21. So easy Purdue cover. And at the total of 45, that's an under. Okay. So not only Purdue cover and you have them winning outright. I have them winning outright. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think in a game like this, uh, you're just going to wind up seeing 
eh, screw it. Let's throw it up. Eh, let's do this. You're going to see pick sixes, fumble Ruski. <laughs> That's the game I'm expecting. When that happens, you actually go over. Yeah. You get points yeah. on the game. Sure. This is what I'm feeling. So I've got Nebraska 30, Purdue 24. So at six points, that's just a slight Purdue cover. And at 54 points total, I've got my lone over bet in the entire weekend in this game. But Nebraska wins a close one. They get that exclu- they, that elusive close win for Vegas Jair and all the other Nebraska fans out there. I'd like to point out that I have chosen one over so far. You have? I okay. have. One. You're, 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 you're a risk taker. All right, going into the evening, our lone evening game, the 5-2, and two, number 20-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions coming into the horseshoe to take on the number 5-ranked 6-1 Ohio State Buckeyes. As I said, 6.30 p.m. game. This is our ABC game of the week. Line, Ohio State by 18 and a half. Wow. Over under 60 points. Of course, our pretty much every week our highest over under typically has the Buckeyes attached to it. Yeah. So Vegas is saying something along the lines of 38 to 21 Buckeyes. 70% of the bets are on the Buckeyes, as you would imagine. Boy, a lot of questions right now that I have for Penn State. Let's start with them. Lost Illinois last week. Where are they mentally? You know, we said we listened to James Franklin this week, and where is he mentally? How healthy is Sean Clifford? Not healthy against Illinois. Could he, can he be that much healthier right now? I don't know. They couldn't run the ball on Illinois. On the Illinois defense, they couldn't run the ball. Not only that, they couldn't stop the run at all. I mean, this this is not the Penn State team that I envisioned at the beginning of the year. It's not even the Penn State team that we saw at the beginning of the year. No, it's not. You're right. We saw a good Penn State team in September. It's almost like they're unlocking. Yeah, a little bit. Um, DMV. Tough, tough area once it gets deeper yeah. in the fall, I guess. Yeah, um, that's a big L they took last week. But you can take big L's and explain them away at sometimes. Turnovers, quarterback just was off, whatever. But when you take a loss and you give up that much rushing yards. I don't know how you cover that up. I, you that that, that is, under the rug. You, it's there. It's just, it's like, I had a, I had a D-back coach, God rest his soul, and he always told us in high school, as a D-back, when you make a state mistake back here, it's in front of God and everybody. That's right. And that's what that rushing attack, or, or rushing defense, I should say, yeah. for Penn State was last week. Clifford, as you mentioned, they very much thought he was their best option, even at 60% or whatever right. he was. Which so, doesn't give you a lot of confidence in who's behind him. Or that he's going to be feeling that much better. I mean, I uh, no, I've, no. I've always been told ribs, and that's what we think they are, take a long time to heal. And I can tell you one way that you don't want to heal up your quarterback and especially your rush defense is going against this Buckeye offense. Like, if you extrapolated out, okay, Travion Henderson's stats, like, we have got some – Amazing running backs in this league this year, right? But his yard per carry yeah. and touchdowns per carry, if he had as many attempts as a certain Michigan State running back, sure. two certain Michigan running backs, his stats – now it's a law of diminishing returns at some point, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying he's like half as many carries as right. those guys. Oh, yeah. He's higher than most of them in touchdowns, and he's gaining on them in yards – that's the rushing attack Penn State is going against. Right. You get a lot of bang for your buck out of Travion Henderson. 
And is he the best offensive weapon on his team? No. Is he even the second or third? Probably, probably not. No, probably not. No. <laughs> maybe recruiting, and, maybe recruiting and offensive play calling really does matter. Maybe it does. Bit. And you know, a little bit more though on the Buckeyes is they obviously struggled defensively earning the season, but defensively, statistically, they keep moving up and up these categories. They are tightening down every week on defense. Okay. 100%. If you look at the stats, just look at your, let your eyeballs do the looking. You can see that that defense is better. Yeah. But you do have to then look at who they played. Yeah. A hobbled Maryland team Good after point. playing Iowa. A Indiana, Indiana team that yeah. we don't think they're going to put up a lot of points versus Maryland Touché. in this game. Rutgers, we've already waxed poetic on their struggles. So. This is probably the best offensive team they've seen since Oregon. Yeah, that's probably true. And especially just put those two weapons, Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, out there. They haven't seen anything like that in a while since Oregon. Yeah, and that was in Oregon was more of a rushing attack. Right. Um, and Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota put up quite a battle versus Ohio State. Point I'm trying to make, obviously, is there is something in the back of my head though that's like. Okay, are we due for an Ohio State like whoa? Somebody's punching them in the mouth a little bit. Well, so my and there's a history of Penn State. This isn't the first time that we have thought Penn State did not have a chance going in right. to play Ohio State, and they bow up and play Ohio State okay. tough almost so, every time. Right. So, to, so in order for that to happen, in order for them to win this game, they got to muck it up. Are they capable of mucking this Ohio State team? Um. Capable, I think, but I, mean, I, 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 it, I, my it, first thought is no, but then at the same time, I realized that, look, it's an 18 and a half point spread. It's a big spread. Big doesn't mean they can't win. No, does not. But, and w- what I would say is this this is so what does it look like? If the, they okay, the ifs and buts for candy nuts, but like if Ohio State didn't have as good of a rushing attack as they sure. did. I would like Penn State's chances more because I still think Penn State's back seven yeah. is good. Sure. Arnold Ibikiti and their defensive line, they can get pressure. If they can make a very good-looking freshman quarterback, but still a freshman quarterback, get uncomfortable. But it's just that rushing attack. That's where I'm at with yeah. Ohio State. Like it has Ryan Day did not used to be this guy. He has embraced this rushing attack. I swear to God, ever since Trey Sermon ran all over yeah. Northwestern that like, he's like, gosh, I'm rushing. Like, hey, that that's fun. That's too. Fu- we can, people I can use that. And to me that that's the difference in this game. Like, yeah, I was scared at this game in this line at one point. I wish I could have got it when it opened up in some places at 14 and a half. I screwed it up last week when I didn't put money on Ohio state thinking that Indiana would muck it up. I just don't see enough mucking up yeah. here for Penn State. I think Ohio State can score 42 points just getting off the bus. Okay. So then you have to think, how can Penn State score enough points to keep up I with know. that? It's I don't to, think they can. I've got Penn. I've got Ohio State 42, okay. Penn State 17. So okay. that's a Penn State cover and just barely at 59, one point under that 60 point over under. Okay, I've got. So wait a second. You got Ohio State 42, 42 Penn State 17. 17. So that's a that's an Ohio State cover. Yep. What did okay. I say? I think you said Penn State. Oh, I'm sorry. Doesn't matter. Anyway. It doesn't matter. I have Ohio State covered. <laughs> okay, yes, you have Ohio State covered. 
Okay, so I have I don't see it being that much of a disparity. I think Penn State is too proud. I think you got too many good athletes. I think they're going to hang in there, but I think the Buckeyes are too much. Ohio State 35, Penn State 20. That's a Penn State cover, and at 55, that's an under. All right. That brings us to the Big Ten game of the week. Boy, this is a big one. The battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Shout out to Dougie and Jordan. Michigan State and Michigan fans, they gave me some good stuff behind the scenes. Uh, 7-0, number six ranked Michigan Wolverines coming in to East Lansing to take on the 7-0, number eight ranked Michigan State Spartans. Back in the time machine, this is an 11 o'clock a.m. game, a.k.a. the big noon game on Fox. Line Wolverines by four, over under 50 so Vegas is saying something along the lines of 27 to 23. Michigan, 62% of the bets, though, are on Sparty. This is the first time ever that both teams are 7-0 for this game. Wow, that is so cool. First time that both are in the top 10 for this game since 1964. Whoa. This is a big Paul Bunyan game. Wow, yeah. 64. Okay, so we all know. Now, there's been some where Michigan was 5 and Sparty was 11, and we've had some close ones. Yeah, sure. But both in the top 10, which is funny to me because this is the first time Iowa and Iowa State had both had played a game where both in the top 10, too. That's right. It's kind of funny that they happened in the same okay. season. I'll give you a little history here. In the last 12 of these contests, we know that Sparty has kind of dominated in recent years, right? Sparty's 8-4 and four in the last 12. Okay, if you look at the last nine, Sparty's five and four. If you look at the last six, we are even up three to three. So, so they can it they can it keep chipped away? Keeps they keep wow. chipping away. Khaki pants. That's keeps interesting. Chi- so you know, th- there's a whole big brother, little brother thing. They're twins right now. They're the same age. They're twins. Interesting. Right now they I are. like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, f- uh, we had the rushing stat in the Iowa Wisconsin game. This one's almost as amazing. Of the last 51 games, the team that's led the game in rushing has won 45 of them. So another rushing dominant outcome for the winner of this game. Wow, and I mean, you have to give the nod to Michigan as the better rushing team, but you can't overlook Kenny Skywalker either. Yeah, I mean, we have got we've got reasons galore to watch this game. I am. So annoyed that this is on at the same time as the Iowa game. Oh, I know. I, I wish this was like I understand they made it the big noon game. Um, and and the funny thing is, is Iowa and Wisconsin feels like an eleven o'clock game, so I understand that. But I wish one of these was two thirty. Uh, just me being personally looking at this. So Michigan State idle last week. So if I am a Michigan fan, that would be something that. I don't know about scared. That's not maybe not the right terminology, but it would concern me that, you know, Michigan State. I mean, obviously, this isn't a even remotely looking forward to a game after everything that Michigan State has done the past 14 days coming into this game is concentrating solely on Michigan. Yeah. And they probably spent a good chunk of the offseason just concentrating on Michigan, too. Now, with that being said, this is a different Michigan team that I think Michigan State and Mel Tucker and anybody thought Any they were going to face. So, well, okay, so I wanted to point one thing out. 
IU and Nebraska, probably the two best defenses Michigan State has faced. Yes. It's their two lowest to- point total outputs of the year. And now they're about to face a defense that's even better than those two. I don't think you can I don't think you can deny that. Like I hate playing the you haven't played anybody card, but as it's turned out, Michigan State, like a lot of the teams, not by any fault of their own, they haven't played extremely tough opponents. Like the Miami win is anytime you go down into Florida and you pull it's out a good a, win. it's a good win. I mean Manny Diaz is and the is, way they did it, right? That too, um, late in the game, just kind of running away. But Miami's not looking good. A lot of their their blowout wins have gone against teams that are struggling. Northwestern, I think, is a little bit better now than they were before. Yeah, but the rushing so. attack has been, or the rushing defense has been bad all year. Michigan State exploited. They have done what they needed to do. They deserve to be seven and zero. Obviously, they've won all their games, and they deserve to be number eight ranked. I just kind of wonder if Michigan is a little bit more battle tested. Michigan's played. Yeah. Wisconsin. Washington's okay, you know, but on the road to play Wisconsin, yeah. that's a, that's a tough game. Now Rutgers is not, you know, that's the game. They looked the, the poorest thing. I don't know. I just, I get this feeling that Michigan, and maybe it's the style of the Michigan team, just this unbelievable rushing attack. I mean, they're up in the top of the country, with it's basically Michigan and a bunch of service academy teams for how well they're running the ball. I, there's a lot of things okay. to look for in this game. Yeah. So now Sparty has a pretty solid run defense. Okay, sixth in the Big Ten run defense. So what if, what if they're able to really limit the Michigan ground game and Michigan is forced to pass, and then they drop back to pass. You got Panashok and Petrowski and all those other guys coming after him. If they to me, if they that's kind of the key to the game. If they can Huge just key. limit limit Michigan off offensively on the ground, that's how you win this game. Bingo. You you beat me to it. That's one of my notes I have here. I feel like first down and a little bit second down as well, but especially first down is the biggest thing in this game for the Michigan State defense. Like you would think there would be a very high percentage of rushing attempts on first and second down for Michigan, but especially first down. If Michigan State can get Michigan into second and long, especially third and long, then you are feeding into the teeth of Michigan State, which is getting a passing attack. Now, because they've got a good, they've got a, or uh, 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 getting after the quarterback, sorry, for Michigan State's defense. Mm-hmm. Now, the crazy thing about that is Michigan State is a pretty good rush defense. Their pass defense not very good. is pretty bad. Yeah. Which is weird because and how do you have a bad pass defense when you're so high up sacking the quarterback? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Like and, the and two you, things. And you have good safeties anyway. Maybe not as good cornerbacks, but the safeties are really solid. Yeah. So, okay. And then you've got. But don't you think the key that then is to like I'm trying to add on to your point. Sure. But if if this Michigan State defense is if it's third down but it's third and four, I don't have as much confidence because it's tougher to get to a quarterback on third and four routes than it is third and eight routes. Sure. So th- I'm just trying to add on to what you're saying because I completely well, agree. Well, I'll with you. add on a little more though. You've got you've got offensively. The wide receivers coming on for Michigan a little bit. Like you've got Cornelius Johnson, but you also got Dalen Baldwin is yeah. suddenly coming out of nowhere and playing good ball. There's three or four Michigan receivers that I think can put points on the board quick. Yeah. 
You know who else can put points on the board quick? Those those Michigan State wide receivers. And running back. Kenny Skywalker can do it, too. I mean, could this wind up being just a a blast of an 11 o'clock game? No, I think game? it could. I just I keep thinking of Michigan State being a more balanced offense than Michigan. But then again, Michigan has got the better defense. Yeah. It's going to be an awesome game. I, I can I, I mean, this will be... This will be very much on on TV too, for me. I'm gonna want to watch it. Um, I'm this might be one where I record and watch afterwards. Um, I'll be very interested to see what numbers this does when you see the stats come out midweek for how many people watch games. I yep. think this is going to be very high up. I mean, I, I cannot wait to watch this game. And but Michigan's defense because we got to talk a little bit on that. I feel like they have just steadily. It's not like they started out poor. Right. They started out pretty damn good and have gotten better and better each week themselves. Well, and they in Michigan State relies so much on Peyton Thorne in the passing attack. If Michigan can get after him and disrupt that, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, being the being that the public enemy yeah. number one, yeah. getting after the quarterback, then but, that can change the face of the game. Like I just get this feeling that one of these teams is going to have a stark advantage in the rushing totals. And right now, if I'm, if I have confidence in the one team, that's going to do it. It's the maize and blue. I think so too. And it's, you know, like they're on the road. How dare I? Yeah. I mean, Mel Tucker beat khaki pants last year, you know, like he's one and oh versus khaki pants. It's yep. on the road. I don't want to pick a loser in this game. Like I feel bad. I like to pick a winner in this game, but I feel bad for whoever I'm picking the loser. But in the end, I just think there's more things that I have faith with and with Michigan and them being battle tested. I've got a little bit lower scoring than what it could wind up being, but I've got Michigan 28, Michigan State 20. Hmm. So that's a Michigan cover, and at 48 points, just slightly under that 50.5 total. I mean, I'm not going to say you're crazy, because I basically had to flip a coin for this one. Yeah. I'm going Michigan State 24, Michigan 21 <gasps> for Michigan State cover, and at 45, that's an under. Not just a Michigan State cover. A win. A Michigan outright State win. outright win. So outright you're picking, win. Picking some upsets this that's week. That's what I do, baby. Yeah, you ain't, you Live ain't dangerously. You ain't scared. All right. Dude, this is that was a long podcast, but it was Halloween weekend. Big stuff coming. This is this is this was a fun one to, I mean, to talk about. We're looking at almost an hour and a half. Here. Yeah, well, those happen. We've had some short ones recently too. That's right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. We'll talk to you soon.